Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Amen. Good morning. It's good to be with you. I'm Ron Poston. I came to this diocese when Bishop Heastand was in office, when Quirinius, no, sorry, (laughs) started to sound biblical for a moment. But I have been around for a while, and it's good to be with you. Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, tells a story about visiting a local parish near Canterbury for an official visit. During his sermon, he went off script. And he said words to the effect that all are sinners. I am, you are. Well, after the service, as he stood near the entrance, he was greeted by a parishioner who was none too happy. She was heard to exclaim, if I'd known you were a sinner, I wouldn't have come. (laughs) What did she mean? Did she mean consorting with a sinner was beneath her? Did she think that the spiritual leader of our communion was above sin? We'll never know. Maybe she simply believed that it was a condition that affected some, but was escaped by others. You know, the downright upright people like her. Our notions of sin and the like can be a bit strange. And maybe that's why some near Jesus approached him with shocking headlines, headlines of the day. No doubt hoping that he would further explain the events or offer some softball answer on the existence of sin, on chance occurrence, on death, on human evil. And the headlines are shocking. The first involved fellow Galileans Pilate, or more likely his soldiers, killed the Galileans and mingled their blood with the blood of sacrifices. Sacrifices they were making as faithful Jews, perhaps. Although our details are really sketchy. Were the Galileans killed en route to the temple? Was their blood mingled with 
the sacrifices of Roman soldiers that they would make to their own deities? Was this intended as a swipe at Jewish custom and belief in the one God, I am, of the Exodus reading? We can't know. This incident occurs only in Luke's gospel. There are no outside sources. There are no biblical references beyond this. So did it happen? I believe so. It's certainly in keeping with what we know of Pilate and his character not known for his tact or his patience, Pilate ruled for a decade from AD 26 to 36. In the end, he was too ham-handed even for Rome. The final straw was a massacre of the Samaritans and their leaders who had gathered on Mount Gerizim where they were promised they would see religious items left on the mountain by Moses himself. Pilate saw an opportunity. He called their gathering an insurrection, and he mounted a battle against them. For this, no doubt for much else, Pilate was recalled to Rome. And if memory serves, he died while on his return trip. Jesus receives the news about the latest atrocity with what I hear as irritation. Perhaps he senses that underlying question about whether the Galileans somehow caused or deserved what happened to them. Perhaps it's because of the sins of the forefathers, you know. Well, Jesus responds quickly, and he sets them on their heels. Unless you repent, you will perish as they did. What of the 18 who perished when a tower in Jerusalem fell? Were they guilty? Were they any more to blame than the poor Galileans who died at the hands of a tyrant? No. Jesus offers a corrective, a redirect. Instead of looking elsewhere or asking unanswerable questions. How about the here and now? How about your own hearts? Where is your fruit of repentance? Your amendment of life? Though the chance and changes of life are all around you, 
Luke has Jesus on a journey toward Jerusalem, and he has been teaching all along and healing. He's been speaking of his impending passion and death. About keeping your lamps lit so that you are ready for the master's return. About our blindness to the signs of the times. Times that are ripe for the inbreaking of God's kingdom. The axe is at the root, John the Baptist might say. Jesus looks at those around him, and instead of answering in the way they expected, he offers a simple parable. A story of a tree, a fig tree, a tree that for three years has produced nothing, not one fig. And the owner of the vineyard, he's had it. Why should I be wasting good soil? But the gardener who actually tends the vineyard, knowing three years isn't too long a time for a fruit tree to produce, asked and said for a reprieve. Just a little more time. He will tend the plant. He will take care to fertilize it. In a year, if it hasn't produced any fruit, fine. Cut it down. Find another to replace it. Here ends the story. There is a tendency to allegorize stories like this one. You know what I mean. The owner's God. The gardener may be Jesus or a prophet. The vineyard is Israel in three years. You know that is the exact same length of time of Jesus' public ministry. And that really has its place. Don't get me wrong. But on this third Sunday in Lent, 2022... I prefer a basic application. Here is the day. Here the time we're given. True, there are awful and unexpected things that occur. But now is the decisive moment. God patiently waits for our turning our repentance. A fancy word for repentance. I offer this for free. Metanoia. The 180 degree turn toward God and away from falsehood. Away from the things that hinder our relationship with the Holy One. I guess about 1987, I met a former priest associate of this very cathedral in Fort Wayne, Indiana. His name was Morton Kelsey, and uh, he at the time was a professor at Notre Dame 
a noted spiritual director and author, and a Jungian counselor. He puts it this way. Our part is to accept the hand that is already stretched out to us. This parable is about that outstretched hand, about God's hesed, God's loving kindness towards us. It's a reminder of grace, of our failure to grasp that outstretched hand. The scriptures are replete with stories that speak of disobedience, of self-interest, and the like. Sometimes it is known as harmartia, the missing of the mark, like an archer, never quite, never quite, hitting where he aims. God calls us to more. And Lent is the perfect time, year by year, to tend, to fertilize, to prepare for the fruits of renewal. These 40 days ask us to consider all that hinders us, that keeps us from that outstretched hand of salvation. As our liturgy for Ash Wednesday puts it, Lent is the time when we focus on that opportunity, which all Christians continually have to renew repentance and faith. So my question this morning, who needs repentance and amendment of life? Who needs to grow in fruitfulness? My answer, you, me, and the Archbishop of Canterbury. God bless you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.